Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. I'd like to welcome everyone to episode two of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. I am beyond thrilled today to have joining us here, New York Times bestselling author, Um, Most of you know her for the Eat Clean Diet, but an amazing weight loss specialist, fitness model. I honestly believe a leader in the health and fitness industry, especially here in Canada. But great to be able to welcome Tuska Reno. So nice to have you here. Oh, Leanne, this is such a pleasure. I'm so glad to be here. Okay, and I'm glad that you're here safe. I just want (laughs) to let people know, coming in from just past Toronto, it pretty much took you 24 hours to arrive here to the city, coming through our freezing rain, snowstorm. It was an adventure. (laughs) It's an adventure. We're going to talk about this for a long time. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, because I I think this is going to be a a wonderful partnership and friendship that goes on. And I got to be honest, I am truly in awe of your story. And as I was reading through a a number of different articles and going through what was available, you know, when you just Google your name, I had to count the amount of books that were on there. Did you know? Do you know how many books, by the way, uh, you've got out in print? (laughs) I think there's a total of 14. And then I have digital programs as well. So yeah, there's a, a fair count. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to name them all or the titles, but I do know the first one. I think it was back 2004, might have been, and it's the one with the butt. It's the butt book. <laughs> it's That's the butt, butt book. <laughs> That's my butt. It looks oh, yeah. really good, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's interesting because I don't think you had ever anticipated that you would have been this cover model, this uh, leader in the fitness industry, because that really wasn't your life. No, it wasn't my life. Um, prior to that, but appearing on mm-hmm. <laughs> in the cover of a book um, or even writing a book, uh, I had been overweight. Um, I was uh, obese at 204 pounds at the age of 38. That's my heaviest. Um, And it wasn't necessarily from childbirth. I mean, I have three beautiful children that I gave birth to, but I, no, it was, you know, I was not living a happy life. And so like many women, I was eating my emotions and building a prison of fat around me. I think you say that. And and to be honest with you, I think the book, one of the books that hit me the most with you was the... The, it, the start here diet. And I think because of that book, it really tells your story of how you went from actually being quite active in your youth. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that you yeah. swam and you played soccer, uh, that this was what most people, what most women or what changes most people is the stages of life that they go through and yes. finding that they're not happy and having their outlet being exactly. food. food. And, am I right? Well, you're absolutely right. Food, food is um, a quick fix. Uh, but it's numbing because you don't actually ever get to live to your potential. You can't tap into who you truly are and what you have to offer. And and for a while, that's okay. It's okay to be dormant. But then there's a moment where you wake up and you feel the roar and you say, all right, that is not what I'm on this planet to accomplish. There's more to me. I'm going to go find it. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do or how I was going to do it. But I, I definitely woke up. You were 
heavy, as you like to say, you were uh, obese, and yet you were putting all your effort into making sure that your family was okay. You had a healthy family. You yeah. cooked meals for them. Yeah. Uh, everything was about ensuring that you were doing it for your family and just it wasn't for yourself. I had it backwards because if we don't take care of ourselves, how can we possibly take care of anyone that we love and be there long term, right? You need a lot of strength and resilience in this fast paced world to take care of your life. And so really taking care of yourself first should be a priority. And according to many sociologists is one of the critical things is caring for yourself so you can then care for others. It's interesting because I've always lived that way. And sometimes people consider it a selfish thing yeah, I that I selfishly take the time to go and get my workout in. Like, well, what are your kids doing while you're going to get yeah. your workout in? And, and I've always been, I'm a better mother. I'm a better wife. Mm -hmm. I'm a better person when I've had that endorphin kick in. I'm able to kind of do all of those things, but it's so hard to let other people in on that kind of mindset. It takes time to get there. There's an interesting connection between uh, connecting with your physical body through movement, whatever movement you're doing, but presumably working out, and um, cementing that sort of DNA um, cellular um, experience so that you are connecting with your physical self so that you know that you're bringing something important to the table. There's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score by uh, Bessel van der Kolk, and it's amazing because to me it really speaks about connecting with the physical body and not being ashamed of that. Um, accepting where you are at this moment, even if you are overweight, it doesn't matter. The body's a miracle. We can change it. Um, and I, I love that whole philosophy. That's how I approach any any clients I work with. That's how I approach you. You accept where you are now because already we can change it already today, right now. What was the point then for you when you talk about the acceptance of where you were then and mm. and looking yourself in the mirror? Because I know you had talked about being healthy for your family, cooking for them, doing everything for them, and then sneaking off to have that half tub of ice cream <laughs> once everyone went to bed. And that's where the numbing started. And I think when you've worked with other clients, you found that there's been a one item, a one food, something that is. that is that trigger uh, of that numbing or that's where they feel, you know, that's that's where they escape to. I'm going to slip into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I, I actually had to have a physical crisis. So um, just picture this. I'm living in an old Victorian home. This is 1999. Yes, 1999. And I'm climbing up the stairs, which in Victorian homes are small and steep. And I'm going to say goodnight to my three kids. And I can't make it. My heart is slamming against my chest. I'm in a full on sweat. And I collapse on the stairs. And I think, that's my aha moment. I need to fix this now. And I remember just being overtaken by that uh, desire to make change, to do something different. Because if I was going to be there to look after my children, it wasn't going to be in the state that I was in. Something had to change. Okay. So you're lying on the stairs at the bottom of the stairs at Pretty this point. Like <gasps> and that's going to be a terrifying was. experience. My dad died from heart attack while driving a car. It scared the mm. out of me. Yeah. And uh, I can still feel that actually that experience is if I think about it, I can feel it now. But it was what I needed. Uh, sometimes we need that that polarizing or the lesson of contrast experience to know this is not working for me. Well, if this is not working for me, and you know that clearly, then what will work for you? And how are you going to change it? And um, I noticed as I was walking in, you know, uh, I saw the title of a book that said, what do you do with an idea? And it made me think, well, I had an idea. 
And what you do is you, you take action steps. You see the idea, you live it, you breathe it, you make it a reality already, even if you haven't lived it, because the brain doesn't know the difference. Mm -hmm. And you take steps towards that. You, you just live as if you've already done it. And I saw myself healthy, looking after my daughters, walking down the aisle with them in their wedding gowns, uh, being a grandmother um, in a lean, healthy body with an active mind to go with. And I just, that's it, set my goal and went for it. And it all happened. I'm sitting there maybe five minutes on the stairs in a full on sweat with that heart attack. Well, I felt like I was having a heart attack. And that's when it happened right there. So what was that first step then? I mean, I, I get and I love that you mentally put yourself into that that vision of what you saw yourself yeah. as. What was that first step then in getting towards that, that goal? <laughs> so the first step was um, going to the gym. Now, although I had lived an active lifestyle, I had pretty much put all activity aside to take care of my kids. So up until then, going to a gym was very foreign to me. Um, it, it, sorry, until, you know, while I was taking care of the kids, then I, so I went to the gym, I put on my baggy pants. I remember they were red. I had a baggy gray yeah. t-shirt. I put on my running. I wanted to hide. Um, I got on a treadmill and I just started running, but <laughs> I tell the by, story. By running, I'm, I'm just thinking you couldn't get up the stairs. How on earth were you running? Tasha? Yeah. So just walking. Okay. <laughs> but even so I was so unfamiliar with the treadmill. I was the one who shot off the back of the treadmill when I first turned it on. You know, because I was so ignorant about what went on in a gym. Um, so so the exercise part seemed like the natural thing to do. And most people, when they want to make change physically to their bodies, think, yeah, so I'm going to exercise. I'm going to work out. Mm -hmm. I don't know how. Uh, you know, but they don't think about the food part, and neither did I. Uh, so I wasn't really changing a lot about the way I was eating. But I certainly, certainly did a lot of exercise. And then kind of looked out of the corner of my eye, and I saw all those bodies in the weight chamber of the um of the gym and saw the muscles and i thought ooh, that's what i want because <laughs> really up until then i was still just skinny fat right i i, I was a, a smaller lighter version of myself but i wasn't muscular i wanted to get tight and i wanted to get i wanted to create a butt i had a pancake butt <laughs> I love how you're you're talking about, you know, I want those muscles, I want that butt, when, you know, months prior, <laughs> it's just I want to be able to get up the stairs yeah. to be able to get my kids yeah. to bed and kiss them goodnight. So yeah. you talk about, yes, you were exercising, but let's be realistic, and where you've done so much emphasis is the change in what you're consuming and in the food, mm -hmm. and when did that dawn on you, that as much as you were going to do in the gym, you weren't going to be able to get all those other things without changing the way you were eating? Have you heard the expression, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will come? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the teacher arrived. And the teacher arrived in a form that was very unexpected to me, but the universe is so wise that it delivered. So what happened was, at the same time that I was going through this whole body transformation, I had to make a personal transformation, meaning I needed to leave my husband at that time, so the father of my children. And I decided to go back to school to become a teacher and get my B.Ed. And so there I was, mature student at 40 odd years of age. Um, but you, you knew that you were going to need to provide for your children. Well, like right. This was a, a massive transformation, right. a massive change in leaving your husband to yes. do this. And I didn't want to be a drain on society. I wanted to contribute and I have a good brain. So, you know, everything, all of a sudden, everything's changing for me. So I'm at um, the first school that I'm placed at, which is in Georgetown, and I meet Robert Kennedy. Well, I didn't know who Robert Kennedy was. 
but other classmates um, who I was going to school with at the time to get my degree at York University said, you don't know who Robert Kennedy is? Rah, he's a you know icon in the world of bodybuilding. But I was just like, yeah, no. So, <laughs> so I go to school and I see him on the playground every day, bringing his daughter Chelsea to school. And we strike up a conversation because I'm, I'm, it's the fall, I'm outside, I'm having to be on the playground. And he said, he said, so, you know, what do you do to keep in shape? Wah, 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 right? And I said, oh, I run, I'm getting in shape. And he looks at me and he goes, if I had a dime for every person who said that to me and could stick to it, I'd be a wealthy man. Look at me, I'm not wealthy. And I went, what are you talking about? And to me, that was like waving the red flag in front of a bull when he said that. So I, I, I immediately dug in and thought, no, I'm, I'm gonna do this. And he could see that I was serious about it. So he said, I'm gonna challenge you. And I went, okay. Yeah, he says, I want you to compete in a bodybuilding contest. <laughs> and he says, but you have to do everything I say. Okay, many things in life are not mm -hmm. in my control. But if somebody wants to get my body in shape and give me the muscles that I was wanting to get and teach me how to eat, so that's when the eating piece fell into it. But he also taught me how to shape a body through weight training because you can't really shape a body through cardiovascular exercise. It just doesn't work. And to me, and this is also in Time Magazine right now, actually, the, uh, the science of exercise, brilliant. Um, if you're going to choose between cardio and weight training, because you have a limited time to mm -hmm. work out, always choose weight training. Mm -hmm. Always, because you get resistance, you get the cardiovascular, you get the flexibility, you get proprioception, all of it. So, um, and, and you boost your metabolism. So It's you know, so hard for people who think that getting on the treadmill for 45 minutes and going for that yeah. distance, it, it, no, it, that's it's actually counterproductive. Yeah. It, it's, but it's changing people's mindsets of, of knowing the education and, and why. Now, can I can I say that there was there was more of a spark of just the challenge of competing in a bodybuilding yes. competition? There were definitely sparks. There, sparks. there were yeah. sparks on all aspects there. Yeah. That was really kind of igniting of of a true love, yeah. uh, of a relationship, uh, and yeah. and a wonderful kind of future that you were going to have together. Yeah, and I you know I really had no idea who he was. Um, I wasn't even looking um, for a romance at the time because I was, I was, as I say, divorcing my first husband. So I really had just wanted to, you know, get my financial feet underneath me and set my goals and, and become successful on my terms. Um, but it, it appeared more and more that Robert was inextricably going to be a part of that, that mm -hmm. transformation for me. So, uh, and we had a, a beautiful synergistic relationship where he taught me, this sounds so weird, you know, but he taught me about my body. He taught me how to shape muscles, arms, delts, shoulders, abs, things that I hadn't, I didn't even mm -hmm. know what a tricep was when I first started. And through that journey, um, I, I also learned about him and, and understood that, you know, this is a significant man. This is someone who is essentially responsible for bringing Arnold Schwarzenegger over mm -hmm. to this country. They were boyhood friends in Austria. They trained together. Um, Bob started the bodybuilding phenomena, if you will, through his uh, bodybuilding magazines, mm -hmm. Muscle Mag. Muscle Mag, yeah. Uh, now defunct, but still it was a, you know, it was the biggest and the best and people loved, loved that magazine and everything that Bob built. So I really, I remember, I mean, for me, it was oxygen magazine, yes, you know, yes. and uh, I remember you on the cover, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. It, first cover at just after I competed. So I was 42 and a half, 42. Yeah. Uh, this, this transformation. Yeah. And I think I want people to 
to grasp that, that this wasn't <laughs> something that happened in your 20s or even no. in your 30s. I no. mean, you were over 40 mm -hmm. and were able to transform what you were talking about as being obese and completely out yes. of shape uh, into being able to be on stage in a bikini and looking. Damn. Less than a bikini because you got to <laughs> glue that little puppy on with surgical glue or things pop out. <laughs> what did you enjoy most about the transformation and what did you find was the hardest? I mean, and it's one extreme to go and be on stage and another to be able to feel good, uh, you know, being right. able to go out and do, you know, activities and feel good about yourself. So the, I think the hardest part for me was actually learning how to do a bodybuilding routine where I had to get up on stage and I'm dance. Mm -hmm. I'm not so dancey um, in, in your bikini that you have to basically glue on with surgical glue. That that was nerve-wracking but everything about lifting and training and eating man I just soaked it up mm -hmm. um, I should mention that uh, I was also highly blood sugar dysregulated so I was on my way to developing diabetes type 2 because I would pass out frequently I would have hypoglycemic events with eating clean I cured that I didn't have the heart palpitations anymore the sweats I felt incredible. I felt like I had so much energy. I thought I was going to explode out of my skin. And then people would start to say to me, did you cut your hair or what did you do? You look different. Really, I looked like a school marm in the beginning of the transformation. And then a cover model, that just was, I don't know, it was pretty... Pretty amazing ride. It's pretty fascinating. And if anyone at this point was like, I'm not, I wasn't familiar and they're, and they're Googling and they're seeing the before and after it, it is remarkable. And you talked just in there about what the eating clean did. Yeah. And so let's branch into that eat clean diet philosophy. franchise philosophy, because it has spawned so many different books. You had endorsements from celebrities. You were doing the yeah. morning show circuit in the United States. You know, yeah. this was, there was a lot of buzz, a lot of movement behind it. Still is. Um, I was on Dr. Oz in 2014 and uh, he called it the, the new food revolution. And there's so many knockoffs, wannabes, spinoffs, mm -hmm. you know, I think eating clean is here to stay, but there's, um, there's people who will say it's terrible and there are people who will say it was awful. Listen, the way that it was born was born from the practices of physique competitors like Arnold and the, and the rest who got themselves stage ready. So they would eat a certain way to become lean. And I put myself through that to get ready to compete myself. But then I thought the feeling of unwanted fat slipping off your body while still being able to eat healthy foods was so powerful that there has to be a way to translate this to the lay person. So the person who doesn't want to get up on a stage in a bikini, yeah. but still wants to feel want that body, that experience. Yeah. And to feel mentally what you were saying, you had this energy, you, you yeah. felt good about it. So do you have to take it to the extreme or no. are there ways to be able to say, I can... Well, I can tailor this to yeah. what I'm looking for. So, so eating clean, the books that I wrote, um, the column, et cetera, is all the, the, for the lay person. Mm -hmm. It's not for the competitor because I knew at my age being competitive was just a folly. Um, I did it so I could understand what eating clean in the extreme could deliver and how I might approach an audience. I wanted to understand it very, very clearly, but most people don't want to be either competitive in the physique or they don't want to get in a bikini and get on the cover of a magazine. So I thought there's a way to shape this that makes sense for you and I, 
for the person on the other side of the page of this magazine. And uh, that's when I wrote my first book. And my first, well, the butt book was written on a dare. Mm -hmm. When Bob challenged me, he, he said, you know, write a book. And I went, I don't know how to write a book. Well, I'm whining, right? And he goes, yeah, you do. And I remember we had in our dining room, there's a 16 foot table and he had yellow full scap and a pen and he wrote, okay, name of first chapter, boom. And he just went around the table, ripping off a sheet of paper and idea for chapter, idea for chapter, idea for chapter, and went around the table until we had a book. And he goes, now write. Well, writing was the thing that I loved best. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know the body will fail eventually, but the writing was my, always my plan. So I started writing and it, and it was amazing. But what the most amazing experience was in 2006, we flew to Victoria to watch my daughter graduate. And on the way, I wrote the Eat Clean Diet. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. That's the first in the eClean Diet series. I wrote it in six hours. It just poured out of me. And when we came back, we, we went to publishing, we went to print and publishing. In Canada, we, we printed off uh, 5,000 copies which launched in 2000, January 2007. And we, th we thought, oh, that'll last us, you know, a year, a year or two. Sold out in two weeks. And we looked at each yeah. other. We were on, you know, the, the um, New York Times bestseller list. We were on uh, the Canadian bestseller list. National, I was a national bestseller. Mm -hmm. National bestseller is 5,000 copies sold in a year. I did that I did in two, two weeks. weeks. So we knew we were onto something, and, and then it, it felt like it was just a license to print money. It was, but, but we had tapped into something. Um, and as much as we, we use the word eat clean diet on the cover, yeah. um, it's really a lifestyle. Okay. And that, uh, that's so funny because that was the one thing I really wanted to ask you. Yeah. I have a hard time with the word diet. It's, a, it's not it, a word that it, works. It's such a negative. I find that it has such a negative connotation to it. So when I'm looking at all of your, you know, all of the books and I'm looking at things and it says eat clean and it has diet attached to it, I automatically, I'm like, oh, just that word, it, it scares people. Yes, it, it does. And, yeah. and, what I know from the Eat Clean is that it's a lifestyle. It's, a lifestyle. it's the choices. And it's not that this is going to be a short, you know, you're going to be on this no, diet for no. six weeks. The, you no, know, it's a lifestyle. It, it's, it's a lifestyle, but it's a lifestyle that will give back in so many other ways that yes. you want to take the negativity of that word diet out of there. That's why the next book will not be called the Eat Clean Diet. <laughs> It'll be by the author of the Eat Clean Diet series, but it will be a, the lifestyle book. The lifestyle yeah. book. Yeah. Okay. So to, could you give us a Cole's note version of, are you able to do that of what it essentially means to eat? Clean? Yeah. Well, I can give you a definition. Okay. Um, so eating clean is a lifestyle way of eating to manage weight and wellness. And it depends on eating whole nutrient dense, well-sourced, properly prepared foods. So there's a, there's a couple of thoughts in there that probably need to be unpacked a little okay. bit. Um, whole foods are always the best for us because they deliver a package of nutrients that 
we actually don't even know all of the goodness that exists in a whole food, but we know that when we take it apart, as we've been doing in our processed and refined food movement, uh, you know, we don't get the best of it. We, in fact, we break ourselves down. So eating the whole foods is a critical piece, but you have to understand where that food is coming from. Is it okay for me to eat a salmon that's been farmed and fed on grain? Well, ask yourself this question. When was the last time a salmon crawled up on land and ate grain? They just don't do it. And when they're farmed, they live in each other's feces and other things that, that are just not good for us. So ask yourself, well, where does that food come? Uh, does that watermelon come from a, you know, a toxic farmer's field contaminated with heavy minerals, pesticides, and toxins? Maybe. Um, and then ask yourself, well, how do I prepare my food? So it's not enough to just eat grains. We have to understand what do grains do in the body and how am I best able to eat these without them ripping my gut apart, as we have seen with all the gut issues that have resulted from gluten. So there, there's a way to doing this that almost goes back more to the traditional way of eating. And as a nutritional therapy practitioner, which I am, um, you learn that the traditionally prepared foods deliver the most nutrients. So we have to soak and ferment our grains. We have to make bone broths. We have to ferment our dairy. We have to ferment our vegetables. We have to eat differently than we're eating today. That sounds like a lot of effort and energy for someone who needs to run to the grocery store on Sunday to be able to kind of get groceries for the week. So how are we supposed to shop different and think differently then as we're heading out to purchase the food that we're bringing back to our family? And I, I think it's brilliant that you bring that up because we can easily be overwhelmed. So I say... I, I think I've done okay. And as you're listing all of this off, I'm going... Nope. Okay. I got to change that. I got to change that. And, and, and I, you know, and I think I'm trying to do it the right way. Of like course. it's, I'm intimidated right now. Well, the, the scope of eating is, is huge. As humanity, we are a collection of stories about nutrients that have served us and have not served us. That that's overlapped in our DNA. And we've got this cumulative wisdom that in the last hundred years has been thrown overboard because we, we're eating, we're going to the grocery store and we say, oh, this is food. And I look down an aisle of prepared cold cereals and see hundreds of options. Mm -hmm. um, that's not food. So uh, the first, I think, how to begin is to, is to question, well, what am I eating? Have the curiosity. Then think about the way you can make change that you can stick to. So maybe it's only drinking better water, but what does better water mean? Well, the number one nutritional deficiency in North America, bar none, is minerals. We are mineral deficient, followed closely by hydration. So how do you add or clean your water so you can drink it properly and get the most out of it? Um, so I've taken to adding the Centevia Power Stick to mine. I'm not endorsed by that company to say this, but I know that it cleans water from fluorides and other types of toxins and adds minerals to it. It makes me feel better, strengthens the bones. We can also change so that's water that's number mm -hmm. one and and that's probably you know if you were to ask me what's your quickest diet tip that doesn't cost me any money but is still worth hundreds of dollars drink more water drink more water and take out the other beverages that right. are high in well, sugar or the, ju or the juices right like i'm thinking you've got your orange juice or your apple juice but you're saying i don't raw, right that. you want your i don't apple? drink any juice yeah nothing no i don't drink any juice because think about it in a glass of orange juice, there might be the juice of, say, six oranges, right, along with other things you don't know. So you're drinking that, and the pancreas gets this influx of sugar that is 
virtually impossible to deal with. So it has to go in overload to produce all that insulin to mop up all the sugar. And if you do that repeatedly, relentlessly, on top of all the sugary foods you're eating, it's of course going to be a problem for you either with your weight or with uh, managing blood sugar. So you get um, insulin resistance, there's so many problems. And then you are more predisposed to disease. And there's now, you know, we have a diabetes type one and diabetes type two, but diabetes type three is what they're calling Alzheimer's and dementia. So that, um, you know, that influx of glucose in the brain is good to a point because the brain thrives on glucose. But when we have too much of it, the brain shuts down and says, I can't do this job anymore. Thus, I cannot think. And the Alzheimer's brain shrinks to 50% of its volume. No wonder, no wonder that we're having so many cognitive decline issues for our aging population. So right now, I mean, and, and you're going to have people listening or with aging parents, yeah. that what they're consuming right now is either enabling or could be helping. It could be a problem if you're not aware that these sugars are, and when I say sugars, I mean refined sugars, fruit sugars, um, refined flour products, white flours, et cetera. Those all get absorbed and translated into the body as sugar. Mm -hmm. um, and so do yourself a favor, pay attention to the sugar. I, I put all my clients on number one program is strike sugar. It's a four week mm -hmm. sugar detox. You cannot do it in a week or two days. You can't detox out of a box. You have to cleanse yourself of sugar to reset the organs of blood sugar handling. Okay, and you talk about that this is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. And, no. and what is it? Is it the bite that takes that long for the body to kind of to get rid of the sugar? Or does it take that long for us to change our, some it's, of the habits of what we're consuming? Okay, It's both. So it, it's a four-week program where I provide the recipes, the menus, the shopping lists. It's not expensive. But you do have to do the work because you have to make the connection between what I'm eating and is there any sugar in it. And it takes a good four weeks, sometimes longer, for the organs to cleanse themselves of sugar and sugar byproducts. Yeah. If someone is able to commit to something like mm. this, what is that in a couple of weeks, of the month, the six weeks of that, of what they're going to feel or different, so look different? Like, it's going to what's be, the payoff? The payoff is incredible. The first week, you might not like me so much <laughs> because if you've been a you know a sugar junkie as I was, you were a half a tub uh, of ice cream and peanut butter, you know, lots. So uh, the detox was unpleasant. It was, I had a headache for the first, well, for the first week. But very soon afterwards, I noticed um, that the hypoglycemic events stopped happening, that I had a much nicer mood. My mood was more even instead of irritable. Um, my skin was better. It wasn't so inflamed and puffy looking. Um, <clears throat> I, it was, it's all about energy. So increased energy, uh, increased libido for those who care about that sort of thing, which most of us do. Um, I felt more energized. I, suddenly I felt like I can take the world on, you know, everything shifted about me because think about sugar as, um, putting a blanket over a lamp. You know, your inner light is this beautiful pulsing, gorgeous energy. And the more sugar we have, we just keep putting blankets over top of it, dimming it. We can't really access our true energetic power, our own inner light, when we are numb. You just can't. So it's like a reawakening mm -hmm. for your body. Well, you're taking off 
the layers yes. on the shade to eventually kind of bring Reveal that light yourself, back. Right. And for many, this is uh, you know, it's, a, it's spiritual. They're, mm. They, they can't believe that they ever could feel this good again in life. Um, some people say that they are able to uh, conceive where they couldn't before uh, they lose in the first week. They've or sorry. In the first month, they lose anywhere up to 30, 35 pounds. That's usually a heavier person, mm -hmm. but you can expect to lose unwanted weight uh, at a rate of about three pounds a week. Um, your taste for sugar disappears and you suddenly you eat a green bean and you think oh, this is delicious and then you eat something that isn't good afterwards and you, you feel terrible so that's your body mm -hmm. telling you it's it's way everything is waking up everything it's funny as we were we were in discussion prior to this talking about how the body knows best the yeah. body is your biggest indicator mm -hmm. of what is really happening in your life you're right you know, and for it to feel a certain way, it, changed, it changes everything. The body keeps an accurate record of everything you do to it and everything you think. And you are the walking expression, the manifestation of those things. Oh my gosh, that's right there, you know. You, you... Body doesn't lie. No, it doesn't. So when people say to me, yeah, I've tried everything, it doesn't work. Ask yourself, have you? Tried everything. You have people who are kind of right now going, okay, mm -hmm. I'm sold, I'm in. Yeah. And then there are still people who are who are battling what yes. you were battling yeah. all those years ago. Yes. What is that first step? Like, I'm realizing it, it has got to be incredibly difficult mm -hmm. for people or else they wouldn't be in the situation That's that right. they're in. So uh, the first step really comes down to the why. How did I get here in the first place? And what is it that is my mental block? Because often it's an emotional crisis that you're in. And so you have to almost step out of the issue that you think it is, which is excess weight, and step into, well, how did I get here? Have I worked too many hours? Am I a workaholic? Am I sad about something? Am I upset? Do I need an emotional you know, tapping in to figure out what it is that's upsetting me. For me, I became a sugar addict because I was miserable in my marriage. Um, it was an abusive relationship. It wasn't good for me. It wasn't healthy for me. It wasn't healthy for my kids. And so I ate to numb myself. And that's for most women, that's often the case. Or they're, they're overwhelmed because they're dealing with children, a sick um, loved one, a crisis in life that they just don't feel capable of handling so they eat and I think a lot of women uh, who are now I, I, I talk women but I mean this is as yeah. men too uh, who are coming to you are often saying I'm not coming to you for how you look now right. I'm coming to you because of what I know you came from exactly and and I think yeah. that for many people is the this can be done because I've been there mm -hmm. yeah and um, I'm, I'm not the diva I don't have a team of handlers I, I don't have plastic surgery. I, well, my boobs are fake, but, um, <laughs> you were on stage. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Most of those girls with zero fat and looking at them with a nice rag. I mean, yeah. you, something's got to keep them up. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I come clean about that, but the rest of it, this is what I do in the gym every day. So for, for the person who's sitting there listening to this and thinking about themselves and where they fit, let me try to deliver some, some comfort and, and advice. Think about this. Wellness is the pursuit of three things. I call it the three E's of wellness. It's exercise, it's eating clean, and it's emotional self-care. They have to go together. 
and wherever you are in your continuum of wellness, because wellness is not a fixed point on a line. It is a moving organic situation that you have to ebb and flow with. And you can think, I'm at my peak right now, life is good, I'm, I'm lean, I feel great, and then life deals you a blow and reassess, and you know, you're either nearer or closer to your optimum. So accept where you are. Say, you know what, yes. January's come and gone almost. My resolutions are out the window because for 80% of us, they're gone. But I still, something's missing. What can I, what can I do? I can sit and think, well, I got myself 30 pounds overweight because, because I'm not happy in my job, because I, you know, because somebody's got cancer, because this, because that. Accept it. And then accept the fact that you can make change with simple measures. If you did nothing else, if you didn't even want to eat clean, but you said, okay, I'm going to drink more water, I can commit to that, and I'm going to quit eating sugar, follow a four-week detox plan, follow mine, follow somebody else's, doesn't matter. Your body will change already. Within three hours of not eating sugar, the blood is chemically different. It's less sticky. In three hours. Keep that up. Keep that up. And that blood becomes healthier by day. And it changes from a highly acidic environment that is subject to disease to something healthier. And you keep going and you begin to feel that energy. I just spent a week in Florida with um, three other couples who we did the we did the strike sugar. Mm -hmm. I made all the food and we saw the detox happening right there in front of our eyes. And, and the fact that they could sleep better through the night was immediate, that they could move their bowels regularly, which means once, twice, three times a day, not once a week which is common. That's common. We saw the changes right there. So it can be that fast. It's just about a decision. That's the decision that I think we're hoping many people can come to, to grasp with that it's, it's there and it, and, and it doesn't need to be, okay, well, I'm going to wait until you know, I'm going to start after this point, or I'm going to, you know, as, as many people do with these new year's resolutions mm -hmm. or with any, you know, it can, it can start like, like right this second, right like yeah, right now. And, and it's not, it doesn't even have to be big sweeping dramatic mm -hmm. changes. The ones I'm talking about really are, you need to be drinking three liters of water a day anyway, and sugar isn't a food anyway. So anybody can subscribe to that. I, I can make those changes and you can. What is happening uh, now? I mean, you've got uh, the pile of books that, you know, we can yeah. go through, but um, are you able to do this? You're working with clients. You're right outside of Toronto. Yeah. So you're on the road. You're talking. You're at, at a lot of different health conferences. <gasps> you know, are you still able and do you still enjoy the one-on-ones or, or speaking with women or with men who, are, who have dealt or are going through what you went through? Like, do you still have that Very satisfaction? Much. Is that where your joy comes from of seeing other people transform? Yeah, my joy comes from uh, helping people access that transformative quality within themselves and never feeling like I am better than or more than. I mean, I've been there with you. You know, I'm with you. So, uh, for example, I'm doing my retreats now in the Caribbean, and so we've got one coming up in Costa Rica, and working with people one-on-one -on -one for four or five days and watching the transformation that happens and helping them tap into something that's been asleep inside of them that that makes me I can feel it in my heart the the energy around that is so good and I want people to realize how possible it is for them this I mean you book a trip you're going to Costa Rica you have to you have to know 
the mindset going into something like that, that this isn't going to be sitting beachside and having 10 of those oh, uh, no. pina coladas that you would normally do on no, a beach vacation. No, no, no. no. The morning. Uh, so we arrive and it's usually an evening um, gathering uh, where we set goals. I, I outline what's going to happen and <clears throat> I get raw. I tell people my story, which the last five years has not been a pretty story. So where one might think I have a Cinderella life, I don't. But I want to invite that kind of honesty because mm -hmm. in order to tap into the most transformative power that you can possibly achieve out of those four or five days, we need to get real about that. We all go to bed early and in the morning we get up. The first thing we do is a, is a one hour hike down a hill, which we then have to come back up to the so ocean. So you do it opposite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I get them, you know, we chat and, oh, we can do this. So the water's nice. And now we go back. <laughs> uh, then we have breakfast. There's a chef that creates the meals. Yeah. Uh, we've, I've worked with him to create the clean menu. Um, and then we do a workout. We do three workouts the first day, but we also do uh, meditation, which I find is incredibly healing and powerful. Lots of journaling. Um, we share stories. There's some massage. I'm very excited because we're adding the trip to the Blue Zone. We go to Nicoya to see. Do you know what the Blue Zones are? I was going to say no. There's five Blue Zones in the world, and Blue Zones are areas where people regularly live to well over 100. Okinawa, Japan, okay. Sardinia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's Nicoya in uh, Costa Rica. So uh, I went the last time, and oh my God, it was, I was so emotional the whole time. It was in incredible. But, you know, we sat at a, a table and had lunch with a traditional lunch, Costa Rican lunch with 12 people and the men were flirting, but they're all, you know, they walk, they have their teeth, they, the blue sparkling eyes or brown eyes, they, they're joking and they're, they're over 90, they're over 100. Um, and, and so this for me is the culminating experience because that's wellness, that's yes. wellness. So I want people to tap into the beauty and the joy of that. Are you able, it's funny because you, you talk about this joy of being in these places and understanding that there could be people in their 90s and in their hundreds that are mm -hmm. living this way. And yet um, with your husband, uh, and you talk about the last five years being incredibly difficult, it's there's still disease, there are still yeah. cancers. And I know that he, he passed at the age of 73 uh, with complications from cancer. And yeah. for someone who knows their body and knows how how clean it must have been, how frustrating and how devastating that must have been to have lost him in such a way. Uh, yeah, Robert died from stage four lung cancer. Um, Robert was my second husband and my true love, but he had lived you know, a good part of his life without me. So there were lots of things that I didn't know. And if we want to talk about how emotions affect our health, that, that third piece in the definition of wellness, according to the World Health Organization, emotional self-care, Robert had some horrible things happen in his life. Um, his first wife uh, committed suicide after their son at the age of 11 was basically physically destroyed by a car accident. So Robert lived with that grief and didn't express it. He was a stoic Brit. And so if you were in, um, in Asian medicine to look at um, where the center for grief is and where disease may come from, the lung is a center for grief. And his, his tumor was so big that even the doctors were shocked because even 50% of his heart was affected by a tumor, which they never see. So he, he lived with a lot of unexpressed emotion and a lot of secrets, um, which 
revealed themselves after he passed. And so th this was difficult and, and cancer has many components. You know, we have to be, be careful what you think because your brain is always listening. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that in right now. Uh, I, I knew the story of, um, of, of his previous uh, marriage and, and the accident. Um, but I think so many of us, and I've experienced, uh, you know, tremendous grief uh, as, as well. And, and I think, w have I recovered? Mm -hmm. You know, have I allowed my body then to flush out what I'm assuming with Robert was holding on to this darkness, you know, within within the body. And so for everyone to understand the effects that it can have internally and what, it, what we're doing, it's that's that's a big step to take. Very big piece. And I will admit that while I had the eating clean and the exercise down, I did not have the emotional self-care down. And I became with with losing so Braden passed in twenty eleven and Bob died a year later. A year after that I had to I was forced to bankrupt Bob's business and then discovered that um, all my earnings from my books had been used to try to keep his business afloat, unbeknownst to me. Um, and then we were forced to go dark. I couldn't conduct any commerce or where I had to go dark for a year to until the bankruptcy was discharged. I faced, I mean, I lost my dad when he was young, when I was young, but I, there was so much loss. I was so stuck, I just didn't know what to do. And thankfully, I have, my yoga teacher is my dear friend, Angelica, and she helped me by inviting me to attend her meditation classes and her healing classes. And slowly over time, I, I got better at it. The first class I went to, we were invited to share our stories, and I thought, oh, well, I have a doozy oh, for you. How long is the class? You know, oh. and so I listed off a few things, and I remember one of the participants saying, it's all an illusion. You chose that. And I wasn't ready to hear that. I wanted to rip her eyes out. <laughs> I admit that. And then over time, you know, learning how to handle energy, um, how to dispel it, how to accept what's coming at me, how to meditate through it, how to make peace with myself. I'm getting better at it. So when I say eating clean is a lifestyle, and I'm going to be very proud to add that to the title and take the word diet off, I've learned it and I'm pretty sure those are the gifts of all the loss that I have had to endure over the last few years. I'm pretty sure that's what I was meant to learn. I think we're grateful of what you've been able to learn and that there's an ability and a gift for you to want to be able to share it uh, and to be able to help others through it in the same capacity. And it's interesting because I look at you and there's such a vibrance and such a joy uh, and such a, uh, I look at you kind of going, I want that. <laughs> and so uh, to understand that we all have a story and we, we are do. all dealing with our own battles. And so to be unique and to care for each other, I think is so yeah. important. And I do feel you feel better when you're giving yeah. than anything else. Well, I learned from uh, reading The Power of the Kabbalah, if you can all imagine for a moment, shut your eyes and imagine pieces of a puzzle. And we are all, when we dump it out of the box, we are all those pieces. But the whole thing comes together when there's no space between the pieces. And so when you do something good for another, just for the sake of doing good, not because you want something out of it, 
a space shrinks between each of us and we come closer and become more powerful and we have more to give as we do that. I can't wait to spend more time with you, Tosca. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think this is a, it's a lot to kind of deep breathe That's in right. and breathe out. And, of course, people can find more information. I mean, that, that Costa Rica trip sounds amazing. Where can people then go to find out more about you and the programs and then, of course, your upcoming book? How are we going to find you? So Toscarino.com, and that that's all you have to do go there it's all there it's all and there. Leanne I wanted to say um, thank you for being a storyteller because we do need you to tell the stories oh, thank you uh, and that's it we are uh, living your life uh, that's your episode number two <laughs> have you ever thought I'd love to have a podcast just like this one well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.